Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode... This is a smashing chat. I got to sit down with Jack Peasant uh, of Reef. And Jack's uh, just released his uh, a solo record. And, uh, and we speak about that. We speak about surfing and skating. And we speak about like what it was like to be in Reef and play Top of the Pops and to these huge venues. And what it was like to be in the thick of the, you know, the big boom in, in, the, in the, the, the Brit music scene of the, the, the mid-90s and such. And... and, and that's just you know that that's not even the bones of it. The bones of it is obviously all the records that have soundtracked Jack's creative journey to date, and it's a wonderful chat. He's such a smashing guy, and uh, and you're going to love it. Um, before we get on with it, um, just a big thanks to um, Scroobius Pip and my brothers and sisters at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, much love to Seventy Six for producing this podcast. And, and and if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, when you've uh, finished listening to uh, my chat with Jack, then go and have a look in the archives because there's 170-odd episodes uh, with some of your favourite musicians, actors, comedians, producers, DJs. Go, go and have a, a little sort of uh, rummage around in the archives and I guarantee you'll find something that will tickle your fancy. So uh, go and have a look at that. And if you really enjoy the podcast and and would like to support it um i do have a patreon page um where you can uh, then access another hundred or so episodes and, and i put up weekly radio shows on there and video content and loads of other stuff and upfront episodes and yeah you can find out about all of this and merch and stuff like that at www.offthebeatentrackpodcast.com right let's get back to business please enjoy off the beaten track podcast with the wonderful jack Bezant. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor. Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this. They have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they have given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range. 
and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Okay, we're recording. Sitting opposite me via the means of Zoom is Jack Besant. Hello. Yeah, how you doing, Stuart? All right. Yeah, hello, everyone. Um, I'm good, mate. Thank you. And uh, yeah, what have you been up to? What's been going on? Well, I've uh, just been doing what I love doing, really. Obviously, it's a bit of a weird time with the COVID and stuff, but I've just been doing, just been doing what I been, love doing, man. A lovely, beautiful family. Um, you know, uh, well, this, for example, well, I've just been doing music this week. Kind of did a little gig in the barn. I've had a good week, actually, man. Lush. We've got a new um, sort of surfing place up near us in Bristol, and that's just reopened. And I just went there on Monday for, like, it's like an artificial wave. So I went there on Monday and I had to go on that. And then I had some friends come down, and we did a little bit of a jam in the barn, a little mini gig. <laughs> I've had a bit of a golden week, actually, i got to say. And, uh, yeah, and then today I've got some of these masterings, four new songs I've I recorded pretty much over lockdown man you know so i was gonna say that how, how have you found um uh, aside from sort of like you know personally how have you found it creatively you know not being able to to gig i mean th- this summer would there have been reef gigs and stuff like that planned would you have been doing yeah, festivals we did, yeah we did have reef gigs throughout the summer rocker we had um yeah we had some lovely ones in the lineup you know we had one we were going to barcelona and i was going to do a little gig in the daytime with you know with lucky mountain um you know, so, yeah, but I guess it's really, you just hope, you know, be really positive and just hoping and putting positive vibes out there that if things are going to get, you know, hopefully back to where they were or to at least to a place where everyone can enjoy music and being together again, can't they? Um, so, yeah, no, it's been, you know, I've just... I guess for everyone, it was a you know, well, it still is in a way, but it was a scary time for a while, wasn't it? You know, we had Absolutely. no idea what was going on, and you know, so I don't know. I just took the opportunity to just spend time with my family, and, and at the same time, just work on some songs like I like doing anyway. You know, so but yeah, wonderful. It's good doing this, man. It's good to, I, I prefer doing an interview when I can see a, see a person's face. It's good. It's, it's, it's easier, isn't it, Stuart Rocker? Do, do you know what? I've done a couple. I've done a couple where, like, the, the internet connection's not been good. Because obviously, like, normally I do these in a studio or, or go at people's yeah. houses and just do it face-to-face. And obviously that's had to all be changed in the recent months. And uh, But I've had a few where, like, they've been done, like, with no visual. And I, I just... Yeah. I find it quite strange. Like yeah. you know, I've got you know, I'll roll with it, but it's nice if yeah. you can kind of see what what. Yeah, are. I like the I like the zoom. The zoom things seems to work pretty well, doesn't it? So massively, massively. Yeah, it is. All right, well let's talk. Let's talk records. Um, Jack, number one song with the greatest ever intro. Yeah, well I uh, put some thought into that this morning, and I just love the Curtis Mayfield. Um, and it says, don't worry, if there is a hell below, we're all going to go. Oh, what a song. <laughs> I just what love that song. song. I love the intro. Ruckers! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so I won't go any further with all, what, we, what he says. But it's just wicked. I love the build-up, you know? I love the energy of that song. 
when everything kicks in, the percussion is just lush, man, you know? So Curtis knew his way around an intro, though, didn't he? Yeah, dude, yeah. I mean, just that kind of snare snap at the beginning to move on up, whether it's the bass line from I'm Your Pusher or fucking Superfly. Like, yeah, you know. yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lush, mate. Absolutely, like, we're blessed with that music, aren't we, really? So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I've got to say, Chief. Yeah. So... In regards to intros, I always ask um, musicians this question uh, on the on the podcast. Um, the way that you approach writing intros, um, whether it's um, with your music or with Reef, like has that changed from if we we look back towards the sort of you know the early to mid nineties when you know when, when Reef were in the sort of formative years and stuff like that, and like when you approached making music then. Obviously, the way that people listened to music was far different then. There wasn't streaming yeah. and such. You know, it was top of the pops. It was, you know, radio, you know, trying to get playlists on the radio and stuff. The way that you make music now and the way that you make music, has that changed over the last... It's a very long-winded question, this, Jack, but I just want to know the way that you approach songwriting. Has that changed as as generally people's listening habits have changed over the years? Uh, I don't know. I think with Reef's sort of you know early days of being in bands and stuff, you're obviously inspired by stuff you're hearing around you or stuff you're seeing, like like on top of the box or you know like we did when I was getting into music when I was fifteen, sixteen. You had chart show and different programs you could watch bands and stuff, and then you can listen to stuff on the radio and you know you could buy your vinyls and stuff like that. But yeah, so just just when you're early and you're starting as a band, you just don't really know what you're doing. You're rocking out together. And the songs kind of they they're born they're they're born aren't they in that environment you're all playing your own little bits and you kind of have fun making an intro don't you go oh, why don't you try that yeah wiki let's try it and you just sort of do that don't you and you you, you know and then I don't know that's kind of what we did with Reef and then we worked with Clive Martin first of all we were with Planish he was a really cool producer and he just captured the spirit of of who we were. And I don't think we even discussed intros too much. I think we had it already had kind of pretty rocking songs and natural from, you know, but as, 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 as you progress, I mean, we've been working with George Takulis. He might say, guys, you need an intro for that. You know, you yeah. need to find something for that song, you know? So later on down the line, maybe you, you, you're writing and perhaps it does get a bit more, you're looking at it in a bit more of right, more like intro and, you know, I guess when you're starting out, you don't even think about it. You're just rocking out as a yeah. young band, you know? And then just later on, you kind of, you're crafting songs more. Yeah, yeah. That's you know? kind of what I meant. You know, did, yeah. did the kind of, you know, and, and it sounds it sounds terribly muso, but did that kind of element of crafting your songwriting, it's a natural thing to do as a band matures, I suppose, isn't it? Is to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you get experience, don't you? You get experience by hanging out with people. I mean, like, we're hanging out with George Shaculius. I mean, Clive Barn was amazing. And then on to George Shaculius, you're hanging out with this dude. You know, we've become friends and he's just an amazing guy. And yeah, you get, you pick up, you get inspired by people and you, and you just, you just pick up vibes that you, and you learn from hanging out with these people. Um, so, for example, on this Lucky Mountain album, I've got that song called Peacemaker. And in a way, I'm listening to stuff like Curtis Mayfield and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And I'm just listening to loads of different types of music. But that that one, that intro of that song kind of showed itself. I've got a great guitar player I work with called Specs, and he just came down to the barn and he 
I just put it on record and he just shredded out this riff. He wasn't even realised he was on record, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I knew that I just press record because he's just rad, you know. When he's not thinking about things, he's he, he's rad. You know what I mean? So we just, you know, and, I, and then the written intro kind of built to Peacemaker. That 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 um, song on Lucky Mountain, I, I really like that intro. And then, and then yeah. I got these, the harmonicas coming in, in and out. And then that built really nicely, brother. So I kind of, in a way, that crafted itself. But then there was a little bit of magic happening as well that it sort of showed itself through yeah. crafting and magic <laughs> it's a cool video as well man oh thank you Stuart Rocker. yeah that's 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 I've had a couple of people people say that and I'm yeah I'm pleased like kind of lo-fi yeah you know and it, it, it's it's just some footage that a friend called Eric Davis who lives in North Devon he went on a trip to the Himalayas uh, when he was about 22 with about 10 friends and they all had like load of Land Rovers and they had just filmed it on the Super 8s all the way yeah. through different countries. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that actual film is 40 minutes long. And I, I asked him, would you mind if I just, you know, did an edit to Peacemaker with the amazing footage? Because I love all the colours, the colour palette. Isn't it beautiful, the colour palette? And it all kind of ties in with my album colours, you know? Yeah. It's like the palettes that I like. And I, I've been to the Himalayas and I've taken my acoustic guitar there and I've I've played and sung there, and I have a real connection with with it. So it was really amazing. To, he said, "Yes, you can use it." And it just worked out wicked, Stuart man. You know, and it didn't cost me like tons of money because you got to be careful, don't you? You're doing cool. stuff, and, you know, and it's really good because I surf with this guy a lot with with Eric. We went on this trip. He's, you know, I don't know how much older than me he is, but he's such got super stoked for surfing still now. You know, I go surfing when he's like, it's like when we used to go back in the day. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, he's he's crazy for it, and he's just lovely to hang out with. So, so that's that's really cool, you know. So, yeah, no, thank you, man. Um, well, there's it's lovely. There's a lovely um person called Demi Taylor who 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 does the London Surf Film Festival. So, she edit edited it for me to, to make it sort of the length of Peacemaker. Do you know what I mean? And she does a lot of stuff with surf films and all that. So she, she took she took the um the song and and Eric's imagery and just did a really cool little edit for me. Um, to try and make it a bit more concise for the song, or, or give the song a bit of an ambiguous feel, you know, yeah, it works. There's, yeah, there's that guy who's got the mask on, hasn't yeah. he? You know, I'll, that's I'll, great. I'll put the link to it uh, on the bio oh, for this podcast, you, so people can click through and, and go and watch it because it's, it's a cool video and it's got that real nice kind of lo-fi warmth to it as well. It's yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, that's it. That's that's what I was hoping would happen. And like what's happening right now is just lovely feedback about stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? And you just don't know who's, there's, there's so much traffic out there, isn't it? With people putting their music out there, which is amazing. You never know how, you never know how, if your stuff's going to get heard or seen, yeah. you just have to let go a little bit. So anything I'm hearing right now, I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. Thank you. You know? So yeah. Wonderful. Well, for track two, Jack, I'm going to ask you the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Yeah, well, I've got to say, um, there's the Songbird song by Fleetwood Mac, mm -hmm. you know, and just, just beautiful, like, you know, just as, again, you know, 15, 16, 17, I can't remember, sort of just hearing something like that, and I know it's, I kind of grew up on rock music and kind of metal and stuff, really, and then heavy funk, and so then, but then you've got this beautiful song that comes along that, you know, just sort of touches me in a very human way i think do you know what i mean a human heartfelt way i guess what, um, would the, what would the emotion be jack just loving someone or loving someone so much and yeah. caring for them and that i just you know and 
yeah, it's just beautiful. <laughs> Lovely. I don't know, man, yeah. So where, where was that? Where would you have heard that? Where was home then? Well, growing up in Somerset, and um, that was possibly, I heard that song through a, a, a first love of being with somebody, do you know what I mean? And just, I don't know, them giving me a playlist or something, and I think it's on that, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think that, you know, necessarily, bless her, she lost her mum really young, her, her mum really young from cancer. So I think it was more to do, it's more to do with that as well as, you know, a relationship with somebody. It's more like, you know, it was, that was the time things were happening. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and it was a, in, in a way that, and around that time I lost my, I lost my brother around that time as well. So there's that, that, um, those lyrics really hit a spot, you know? Yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, so that's, yeah, that's that one, Rocker. <laughs> okay. Well, for track three, I'm going to ask you to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, Jack. Well, yeah, when I was, uh, when I first got, into, I got into music and almost like I had my parents, when I was growing up, my parents didn't really listen to like, loads of music. We were, there was like, nothing on at home, like there weren't a stereo. Not a, loads, not a loads, Chief, mate. Maybe a bit of Tina Turner, which, you know, which is cool, and bits and bobs that my mum used to play. My dad never really played much music. Um, maybe just a few things like comedy things. I don't know. I mean, but I, I got into music at 14 not long after I started playing bass, but I got in straight away into sort of the metal scene, like Iron Maiden and stuff like that. Yeah. Actually, the first record I bought was Iron Maiden Killers. Nice. So I was sort of just getting into that whole, like, spirit of, like, metal, and I loved the artwork on that album as well. And I used to sort of look at that artwork and, you know, just go around with my Walkman listening to, like, Raph Child and Killers. And, and just getting really into the spirit of that kind of music, really. And I just, it, it just... It just took me, you I, know? I totally get that as well because it's it's like, I mean, you know, Maiden are, are Maiden and there's a, a reason that, you know, this you know, one of the biggest bands in the world for a long time and probably still yeah. play huge venues wherever they play. But it, yeah. it wasn't just that. I, I remember, like, the, the just, you know, I don't know if branding was, a you know, a big thing back then, but the branding that Iron Maiden had on all their covers, whether it was Eddie on there or whatever, it was like... It was so eye-catching, wasn't it? And as a kid, yeah. it was like, wow, what's this? It was like a horror film like on a, on a record yeah. sleeve. It was like, yeah. and you just get stuck straight into it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. well, I can remember just like, I still go now, but like, I remember sort of 14, you were allowed to go out, you know, and skateboard the streets a little bit, you know, and you've got your Walkman, and you just get into this sound, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, and his bump, his, his bass lines, I'll say pump lines, his bass lines, it was just like wicked, and I think it's a little bit punky, wasn't it? Especially with the first singer, dude. Yeah. I mean, I love Bruce Dickinson as well, but it was all that quite kind of punk kind of, yeah. you know, it's good. Like, uh, and that's clever, you know? So I, I enjoyed that stuff in my sort of school days of, 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 of that sort of vibe, really. So how was school? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I, yeah, I did enjoy it. Um, yeah, I sort of enjoyed it, Rocker. <laughs> I was, you know, I was obviously working on a farm a lot. Do you know what I mean? And I was a farmer and going to school. And like, I, I liked art. I liked art. We didn't have a great art teacher, which, which, some I look back on a little bit and go, oh, what's this? that's a shame. You know what I mean? Hmm. Was you a but, creative kid then? Yeah, I think I was a bit more hands-on than uh, I liked a bit of English and stuff, and you know, bits and bobs and. I like reading and things, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed school, man. I, 
I got on all right with it, you know. Got on all right with it. Um, sport, I like sport as well, and bits and bobs, mate. So, um, yeah. So, with, with the the sort of you say you sort of started playing bass. Was that something that come through school, or is that just through sort of circle of mates and? How yeah, through school, through school and circle of mates. I had a, I was in with some sort of gang at school, and then one day it was my turn not to be the cool one or something. And I remember going, <laughs> I'm not. I remember going, I'm not into this. I don't like this sort of. I never have liked that whole sort of alpha male or that yeah, on-site yeah, band. Yeah. Even when it starts, it starts at school, doesn't it? And I'm like, no, I'm not into that. I just go off and skate or play my bass or something. I'm not into sort of picking on people and. I remember just leaving that gang and then hanging out with these other guys who are perhaps a bit more art- artistic or whatever. Like it, like it is at school, it's all like kind of groups and stuff in yeah. it. And they were into much more into sort of like music and then um, heavy metal and that. And then this what I had a good friend actually. And I saw him for the first time for twenty years, like last year when Reef played in Pembrokeshire. And um, you know, we're a real nice guy actually. We just we just just lost contact, but we started a band together. He was into metal. He got me into metal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He played guitar. Oh, I played bass. You know, and yeah. we just used to hang out together, and um, I loved it. And I think around about fourteen, when I had something like that to get into. I really enjoyed having something to get into, especially with my hands and, you know, yeah. playing bass. And then I try and sing a little bit and my brother would go, oh, you can't sing your shit. And all that stuff you go That's through. That's what brothers do though, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> rocker, man. So, um, yeah, so I had a whole time. And then at the same time, I loved art as well. But, you know, it didn't have the, the great teaching. But your life's your life, aren't you? You can't look back and go, I wish, you know, because yeah. your life's your life. And so, but, so I, those are the things I, that I felt good about. Art. And, you know, you can see, like I say, so I'm digging, suddenly I'm digging art, mainly I'm digging the art, the album covers, I'm digging the feeling it gives me, you know, and then, and then from then on, you sort of move and you meet other people and you, they say, oh, check out the Chili Peppers, check out Fishbone or, yeah. oh yeah, okay, so watch fit the new Parliament and other things, yeah. you know what I mean? So that's the way it evolved, really. So when was that? Was that kind of like... Early nineties, when you had that surgence of like the peppers and fishbone, and yeah, so like initially like maiden and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? And then and then um, moving on from that, like I didn't even know what a baseline was, mate. When I listened to Iron Maiden, I had no idea what. Yeah, you know, it's so new. Um, so you learn a baseline, and you learn what oh, guitars, bass. Okay, yeah, drums. I didn't know anything about any of it really. Um, oh yeah, and then when I went to college, when I met Gary, you know, we met very early on. Uh, and we were listening to stuff like Jane's Addiction and yeah, you know what I mean, Fishbone and on, honestly, Massive Attack as well came on board. Oh. You know, that whole sort of like just songwriting, really. Yeah. We got into songwriting, you know, and and sounds and stuff, you know. And it's so crazy, Jack. How many people, when we start talking about formative years of like their bands and stuff like, that, reference Jane's Addiction? Like, yeah, so many people will say like ritual like that was the album man it like yeah you know and you know ah oh, it's just and 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 again obviously you know the the, the bass lines you know would you deconstruct songs when you was listening to them not necessarily i think it's the energy of the band more than anything mm. that sort of time you know the energy of like you know coming down the mountain oh. I know, no, that's, <laughs> so good it's that bass line doesn't it it's like yeah. it's, and it's just, just that's, that's the stuff that, that I thought was rad. And our, one of our best gigs, me and Gary went to London and, and we stayed with our friend's mum. 
uh, and we had a really nice time. You know, we didn't we didn't go to London that much at that sort of time. You know, we were sixteen, and we went to watch Fishbone at Astoria. Nice, and it's one of the best gigs I've seen to be honest. Yeah. Till to, 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 to this day, you know, like they were just radical. Yeah, you know, I, and the crowd was amazing. You couldn't you couldn't believe it. I, I remember a story. I don't know if it's true, but I'm, I'm, I don't know if you've ever heard this. But I, I, I heard that one member of Fishbone. Like this, this would have been like early nineties. Got kind of caught up in some weird cult. Wow! And like, and they literally locked him down in some kind of weird place. And like Scooby Doo style, like the rest of Fishbone like broke in and bust him out and kind of like released him from this weird cult no. type thing that he was tied up in. I don't know how much truth wow. is in that, but it sticks, it sticks in my I mean, head. I mean, that, uh, make a good video, make a good promo video, wouldn't it? Oh, mate, that imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, well, um, for track four, I mean, you t- you touched on one of the first records you owned was was made in. Was that the first record you remember going to like a record shop and buying? Yeah, yourself? that's it. I I went and bought Killers. Yeah. So was that? Where, do you remember where you got it? When I got it. Where you got it? Where? Yeah. Basically, we had a news agent in Cheddar, and they had a few records in there, and I just remember going and get it from there. Really. Yeah. It's- um. It's so mad that, like, whenever I ask people that on this podcast, the places that you used to be able to get records is so yeah. nuts that, like, you know, most of my records I bought from a news agents, and it's like when I was growing up, and like the amount yeah. of people to go, oh yeah, Woolworths, or like yeah, Boots, yeah. WH Smiths. Yeah. It was like, oh yeah, they all have like record departments, and it's yeah, like, they did. That, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't really remember that, but yeah, we had like a little news agent with a little record department in the corner. That's yeah. right. What's what we had in Cheddar man? Yeah, like that. My one had this like kind of like turnstile, and it and it basically well, it never sold anything that was in the top forty. But if you went there, you'd get something that was in the top forty about a month later, and they'd had the middles missing where they'd been like ex jukebox. So they had yeah. to, like the, the center of the like the, the vinyl pushed out, but you'd yeah. go and get something like for seventy five p or whatever that was you know that was a hit like a month one month ago. So you literally just would trawl through that when hey, I was like a little teenager. We've gone, you know? we've gone backwards, haven't we? Like, <laughs> if, we used, if we used to be able to go and get vinyl from my local. Asians, we've gone backwards, haven't we? We can't do that now. We can't do that. It, should, it should be as funky as that, shouldn't it? I'm just, just going to go and get a few records down the down the local village shop. You know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you, I say that. Like, um, I went to um, like a, one of the big Tesco superstores near where I live, and they've got a vinyl section in there now. Oh, that's cool. I mean, yeah. I thought that's insane. And like, and, and if you walk past like a HMV now, they've got like more vinyl than CDs now, which is I mean, yeah, there's a lovely, um, in Bridport, there's a place called Clockwork Towers, and I was only there just randomly because we're getting a new exhaust pipe on a van. I had to be there all day long, so I took a little adventure around Bridport. The most wicked um, vinyl store there. I might do a little in-store there, actually, at some yeah. point. It's a cool little town. I don't know if you know Bridport. No, I don't think I've been there. It's a cool little town, mate. There's a little bit of a vibe going on there, a little bit like Camden Market kind of feel. Yeah. Uh, but then there's a great record store there, mate. So that, yeah, you know that that's just, yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 good to go in record stores like that. They're kind of slightly intimidating, aren't they? But I just started chatting to the guy in there, and he was really cool. Yeah, because they were doing like, they were doing fundraising for their local skate park, and that's what we've been we've been doing that here. And I just went, oh man, you're doing what we're doing in Cheddar, and then we just yeah. got chatting, you know, because I do find it intimidating sometimes the record stores like that when you got the you got the nerdy boss who's running oh, it. Oh yeah. It's all a bit quiet in there, and there's great, cool music pumping. 
And in that one, there's so much great artwork all around. So you're kind yeah. of surrounded by all this iconic artwork. And you're like, whoa, it really puts you like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, it is that whole high fidelity, we're not worthy kind of thing, isn't it? Of just like, <laughs> I, I don't ask what they're playing. Just like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, don't you know? Yeah. You should know this. Like, <laughs> I know, sadly, but this guy, this guy was, I think it's Roy's name, was he was super cool in there, actually. And then we just hit it off, you know? So I can't, I can't wait to go and play there, you know? Yeah. So I think we can now with the with some of the I think we can actually do little gigs and stuff now. So that, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is the songs that we're talking about in this podcast. If we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to. Spotify and search off the beat and track podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these if you can't find it on there I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode so you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks anyway I'll shut up get back to the podcast I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com people today Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Podcast. See you on the other side. You've mentioned skating quite a lot. Um, and how important was that for you in the kind of sort of, you know, early 90s and stuff and, 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 and up to date? You know, do you still skate? Yeah, I do. I love it. Yeah, it was really, I mean, it's been great um, because when you're touring and all that sort of stuff, I mean, like I say, you know, that thing of just taking yourself off out and going yeah. around the streets and that and just finding a bit of your own peace and having a bit of a rock out. Um, and then when you're touring, there's so much time on your hands, you know? So it's great. You services, shit, what do I do? I've been on the bus for five hours. Get my yeah. skateboard out, you know, and have a, have a skate around or, or even, in, you know, like, there's loads of skate parks in every every city, so it just mm. gives you something to do. Well, let's just get off the tour bus, yeah. Just get get out of the funk a little bit, yeah. You know, it's it's it's, it's been brilliant actually. It's been um, 
you know, I, I really love it. And now we've, you know, I've got two boys and they're amazing. And like when Duke, my, my oldest was eight, I, th- I really want to build a ramp on, because we've got a bit of room on the farm, build like a half pipe, do you know what I mean? Nice. So I did that when he, when he was eight, he's 10 now. So we, and we've all been using it and that's really good fun, man. So almost like, because we didn't really have, I didn't really have a ramp near me when I was younger, kind of making up for that a little bit. Yeah. But that's, I think, but actually it's actually, it's not like a, it's not like a sort of midlife crisis or whatever. I'm beyond midlife now, brother. But it's like, it's almost like taking on something and learning a new skill and then loving it, you know, like half pipe skating. I'm loving it. You know, so why not take on something new in any age? Totally. Yeah. So I'm really enjoying that, man. There's so many like tricks to learn. I'm, I'm trying to take it, I don't want to do myself an injury wise, but yeah. you know, but it's great for surfing as well. You know, all these like turns and stuff on the yeah. ramp and the balance. So, um, one, one, yeah, of, dude. one of the things from the early 90s and, and skating as well that, that was definitely influential on, on, on my, my musical taste was so many of the skate videos would expose yeah. some great music that you'd never heard before. Was there, yeah, like, a, was there skate yeah. VHSs being passed around like you and your mates? Yeah, that's it. I, I bought uh, a couple of skate... I know what you mean. You had, this, you had the um, search for animal chin. That's all yeah. the 80s. All the animal chin stuff, yeah. Yeah, that was really cool, wasn't it? But then in the nineties, it was the it was the Zero Skate mm. Team. They had some good VHS videos I bought, and that was a bit more punk, hardcore yeah. rock. But I was very inspired by that at the time. Yeah, um, stuff that was really, yeah, you know. But then I, you know, I do watch Bones Brigade documentary with my kids, and they uh, we watch that together. Do you know what I mean? And that's just got great music on it and stuff. Yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. it's like, I know what you mean. It's it, like you say, quite often in skate films they pick up music that's got interesting sounds and beats, haven't yeah. they? And it, and it's just great with the visuals. Yeah. Like it's, it's just a great way of listening to music, isn't it, with visuals? I really dig that. Totally, totally. Yeah, It was yeah. always one of them things. It was like, you're a blah, blah, blah. No, where'd you hear that? Oh, it was on that skate vid. And it was like, oh, right, yeah, can I borrow that? And like, and you just watch the skate vids and you'd literally just be waiting at the end. It was like, right, who done that song there? Like, you know, yeah. where can I get that? And it was like... Yeah, yeah. Just, that's really cool isn't it yeah, I, yeah I, I, mean, I love doing stuff like that I love to hook up with people who are doing skate films and surf films really I try, I try and get involved with that sort of thing and hopefully that will happen a bit more I'd love I love that mm. but what I was going to say Rocker as well is like we met the other day uh, her name was Liz and she sung uh, Wishing Upon a Star is it with a, is it Fresh Four from Bristol yeah. do you remember that yeah of course and th- those dudes in that video were skating aren't yeah. they and a little bit similar skating to uh, the um, animal chin. That sort of eighties, yeah. not you know, like I must be. It must be late eighties, is it? But their skate. They, they, that's actually a really cool video. When you watch that video now, because yeah. uh, we met the singer, the, the girl who sung on it, and we just watched the video, or, or we watched it recently, or something. Yeah. Uh, that's right, we watched the Tom of the Pops. Two or something, yeah. you know what I mean? And this song came on of that at that time. I think maybe it's eighty eight, I'm not sure. I reckon but... it was about eighty eight. It was a time yeah. when every song that came out seemed to have that beat. Yeah. It had that, that loop, one, didn't it? That one shone out. Yeah. It, it, it's it a tune that is. With the video as well. Yeah. You know, we watched the video because it came on the top ups and it was like, oh man, that and I've watched it again since. The yeah. dudes are skating, it's a really cool style. Her voice is brilliant. But we just we just met her at a campsite recently, the singer. And I was just playing. I was jamming with Specs, the guitar player. I say, well, I play with, you know, I'm, I yeah. say Lucky Martin and Bits and Bob. We were just jamming around the cat bar and she came and sung with us. It was really beautiful. 
Um, so that's really cool. That's a really good song, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I also want to ask, like, you, you know, we, we, we've mentioned Top of the Pops, and and as you know, as as most kids, we, you know, we, we, we're pretty much the same age, Jack, and 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 Top of the Pops was. You know, as 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 young lads, like Top of the Pops was the place, the only place really. And you mentioned the chart show, but Top of the Pops was the only place where you could actually sort of see your pop stars, wasn't it? You yeah, could, uh, yeah, yeah. And like, so from being like someone, where, you know, and, and understanding how important Top of the Pops was, you know, to to, to see your favourite bands and things like that. How was it? To, I, I presume that 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 Reef have played Top of the Pops. Plenty of yeah, times. we played it quite a few times actually. We mined it, and then we did get the chance to play live on there. Uh, I, I know definitely once, maybe twice, we played live. But yeah, we mimed on there a few times. And how was that? Like the first time, knowing you was going to go on top of the pops. Uh, I th- well, I had a laugh because I think I'd seen a couple of performances on there of um, EMF played on there, didn't they? And they just completely cocked around. And then you had Nirvana on there. Did yeah. he throw his he threw his bass in the air? Did it land on his head or something? Yeah, uh, he. I think that was the MTV thing. But when it was something, wasn't it? When um, Kirk done it, he literally put the mic in his gob <laughs> and was just making this. And I think I think when Lemonhead's done it, Evan Dando done something really fucking yeah. weird as well, or just yeah. didn't move his mouth when he was meant to be lipsy. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. But, but I see. I mean, I just de- I just detuned all my strings, so they're like really floppy. And then I, just, <laughs> I mean, I just had a laugh with it, you know. And we, when we, that was with Naked on on the Replenish. Yeah. So we, that was the first time we were on there. I think it was with Naked. It must have been. And that's what. Yeah, that's what I did. I just detuned all my strings and just like just danced around like a nutter. <laughs> well, you you've come to my like literally my hometown on that tour. You, like we've never had bands like playing Basildon, and you came to the Tangate Theatre in Basildon uh, on that tour, and uh, I remember thinking like, "Oh, we're, we're finally on the map. People are like going to start playing here now." And it was literally Reef, and then that was it. No one else ever come back after that. But uh, uh, yeah, that we, was we had a moment. Them, mate. They were good fun those days, you know. Like I said, it was just raw, and we we were young, and we just went round, just didn't know. We didn't know what we were doing, really, but we were doing it, you know. It's lush. That's it the exciting great. point, though, yeah. isn't it? It's like when you were saying, you know, you, when we first started chatting and you were saying about, you know, didn't really know about intros. It was like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Like, them moments, them early days of just getting to know what it's like trying to make a band, you know, get a song. They're the best times, right? It was like, because yeah, yeah. there's, there's no real agenda. Like, you don't know any different. It's all, it's all to be played for, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, anyone out there who wants to have a crack at that, it's just such a laugh. It's just a great thing to be with friends and people, isn't it? Just 100%. get in a room. And I mean, that's the beauty of it. Like, you're so lucky when you're in a band because you, you're you right in the sound, you know? Anyone watching is great. They're out front. But if you were to walk on stage and just walk into the where everyone's playing, there's such a great sound yeah. there. I mean, I know the sound, man, the sound men and women or sound people try and make the sound out front the best they can, like it is on stage, but it's nothing like just walking in amongst it and being in a little huddle, you know? It's amazing, man. Yeah. Well, for track five, I I, I guess... um, this, 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 I, I, well, I don't know when, when was, when was, I want to know what the song was that soundtracked your years uh, clubbing. Well, I was a rocker one night, so any, you know, I just got, I go to, I go to rock clubs really in Bristol and stuff like yeah. that, but you'd, you go to some, I mean, that's what 
clubs and bits and bobs and then have maybe they play a few rock songs and oh this this question obviously lends itself to you know indie clubs rock clubs whatever like it's not necessarily got to be them kind of high street chrome covered like dancing to faithless it can be like you know it could be anything you can be throwing yourself around uh, jane says on the dance floor like well that's it i mean that you know that i mean early on it was it was ace of spades really Mm. you know that's the one that just kicked in and you're like yeah rockers come on let's do it let's get up there and have a rock out yeah um, but like you were saying then, you know, then you had like Welcome to the Jungle or, J- you know, Jane Says. And, you know, those those times where you just love it and you get up when you and just get get amongst it, you know. So yeah. that's I, – I did write down Ace of Spades really because yeah. that was just the one that was always playing. And we were just gribbly rockers growing up. Though. That's yeah. what we liked. I mean, that's a call of arms, that record, isn't it? Fucking hell, yeah, the minute yeah, yeah. it starts. It's I love just... that Motorhead, Motorhead as well. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> Did you ever hear the uh, JTQ cover of that? Like the, the sort of like the acid jazz or cover of, of, of Motorhead? Of, of Motorhead. No, I'll have to listen to that. Oh, mate, that's got a groove to it, that is. Oh, wonderful. Who is that, that again? It's J... James Taylor Quartet. Oh, James Taylor, okay, man. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, uh, that that's that got a nice little fun. groove to it. With you, man. Thanks for that. Um, what did I mean as as a young lad? Like, what did you want from clubbing, Jack? What did I want from that? I don't know. I did enjoy. There was a really cool rock club in Bristol that I enjoyed going to. It didn't it not long got closed down? But it was about three layer, uh, three levels. You had like soft rock, and then you had sort of grungy, and then you had like death metal. <laughs> Which, how cool is that? Yeah. You just go from one level to the other. You wouldn't get that nowadays, would you? Like, no, what, what a no, moment I, to have had that. Yeah, it was great. And that, I, can't, I really can't remember what the name of the club was. I wish I could have been in Bristol, but it was. I went there a few times. Obviously, from Cheddar to get there was, you know, it was tricky. You know what I mean? But um, I really enjoyed that there. And that, that, that was good for me, man. I loved that. That was a right laugh when you were growing up. I just loved, I loved being in that scene, that rock scene, you know? Yeah. Because I... Um, I loved. I, I went to Donington Rocks Festival '87 and '88 as well. So I got to see all these amazing bands. Who was that? Was Maiden at one of them? Uh, yeah, Maiden. Yeah, Maiden. Yeah, Bon Jovi headlined at '87, I think. Maiden '88, but you had Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Anthrax. Uh, I was just trying to think. I was looking it up. Uh, it just had all these great bands. David Roth played as well. Amazing. I just introduced all these, like, you know, just really young, couldn't even drive, but went two years in a row and just loved that, you know, yeah. so that was really cool. I know, I'm not saying it's not a club, is it? But, but you know, I that's mean, that's cool, man. I love that scene, you know. To kind of to be stuck in the in the crowd, you know, living it and, 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 and being full of sort of energy and, and being young, and to then fast forward, you know, eight, nine years, and you're. On the flip side of that, you're on the stages at these big festivals and there's thousands and thousands of people going mad to, to, to your records. Like, when that happened, you know, because, you know, when when, when Reef exploded, you know, on, onto the, you know, to, 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 to mainstream success, like, it was a, a very exciting time for british music it felt like you know there was so much going on and how did it feel and to to be you know to to have like a, a huge fan base that was you know going crazy to your records and and that in tow brings fame and how did you how did you find that 
Uh, I found it was, I thought the process was pretty cool because we had this, the reason why things sort of blew up on that first record with Naked um, is because we had that mini discovered, didn't we? Yeah. And like, kind of like, we were a bit wary about doing that, but the fact that we were in it, so we had our faces in it and it was our song. Yeah. Uh, we felt that was pretty cool. So everything kind of blew up after that. You had all yeah. these people that were watching. Obviously, we we all watched terrestrial telly then, didn't there? Wasn't really many, much unless you had lots of money. You had Sky, but everyone was just so you'd had this advert that was coming on all the time, and this advert was saying these guys are into skating, these guys are into alternative music, a bit zeppy or whatever, you know. But even for us, that that whole riff was a little bit inspired by Massive Attack. The whole my bass lines were like, I was trying to get these pushing heavy bass lines and stuff. I mean, so it's all from what we've already talked about, that song was already trying to touch upon those things. Um, but it connected, didn't it? That whole thing connected. So suddenly we were play, playing from 10 people to actually playing to full clubs after that. Um, and that was amazing. And I think, I think I just, I loved it. And because I've been to see Donington and all that, I was digging the crowds, digging the kind of sweat, the mosh. I was just digging all that. I was loving it, you know? And um, yeah, I think, and it just went so well. And then Place Your Hands came out and then we had, we were just playing some amazing gigs, you know, all around Britain. We were just playing amazing, fun gigs with the crowd exploding. We had a good few years of doing that, yeah, you know? And like at that time, you had other bands that were kind of Brit pop, didn't you? Yeah. It's hard. I don't. I don't really like pigeonholing and music and stuff. But there was that was the terminology that was thrown that around, was not, wasn't it? And we were not. Yeah, we were not. We were rockers. We weren't part of that. Although I, you know, I digged it and what, what those guys were doing. It's yeah. fine. But you know, we were definitely more like gribbly rockers, blues, yeah, kind of, definitely. Um, but that, that people connected with. Yeah, the surfers connected it with the skaters connected it with. Just people were treating us like it was a breath of fresh air. So that's, yeah. that's, that's really cool, you know, and I, I dig that. Um, but you're saying in the context of fame. How do you, I just wondered how you found, like, you know, especially, like, you know, when, when Place Fans come out, it was, you know, it, for me, it was like, you, you know, you guys are everywhere. Every, I say terrestrial TV, like, you know, TFI Friday, it was like, oh, it's yeah. Reef Boys again. And, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, how did you find that, you know, from from walking down the street and people knowing who you are, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I don't know. We sort of dealt pretty well with it. I don't know. I'm speaking for myself, you know, yeah. because I think I just did grounding things. I yeah. love to go and surfing and that. It's such more grounding than getting in freezing cold water and catching some waves and yeah. getting yourself, you know, just feeling really surfed out. And like, yeah, that was really, you know, I was just doing that all the way through, really. I was trying to not even aware of what I was trying to do. I was just doing stuff that I loved at the same time. Well, that would keep you grounded um, in itself, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I tried to keep fairly fit for that kind of... So if I ever did go surfing, I, I was I could have a good time and try and get out the back and catch a wave and get, you know... Because it's so... It takes a lot of effort when you're surfing, yeah. really. Yeah. So that almost like kept me, kept me sane, really, just trying to do a little bit of exercise on tour and skate a little bit and just do you know you just it's a, it's quite crazy on tour doing that you know and the, and maybe the fame thing and all that and going around and you know and i just tried to be normal really not try to be yeah. normal just sort of just did my best man you know of like oh uh, yeah so yeah it was all it was mate we had an amazing opportunity and i just wish that kids can have that same opportunity as we had you know like 
with what's going on right now with the world yeah. and everything, you know, I just hope that kids can have the same the same opportunities really of playing music and being creative and you know, so yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, for track six, I want to know a favourite song from an artist from your home county. Well, I've got to I thought about this and then I love the the hymn of the big wheel by Massive Attack because it's and my friend Bruno, who mixes, who mixed Lucky Mountain, and has worked. I work with him a lot, and Gary has worked with him as well. We've done stuff together with Gary, and he's done stuff with Reef recently. But he he remixed Master Attack Blue Lines. So Bruno Ellingham, who who mixed um, Lucky Mountain, so I think he he remixed it in 2012. And I've been listening to that recently because I've not not long got Spotify. You know what I mean? I've been enjoying yeah. Spotify, and I've li- I've listened to his his mixes on that the other day, and I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. I love the hymn of the big wheel. Um, it's an incredible record. It's really cool. You know, it's got like, you know, when you're songwriting and music and stuff, but it just goes a little bit, it just goes into the subconscious world, that song, for some reason. It just speaks for a bit of a bit of the world. You know, it's just, it's not just the bad. It's, it's, a, it's a clever, isn't it? Songwriting and, and sound. And, and and samples and whatever they've used, you know, his, the guy's voice. It's just it just throws it into a lovely place, you know. Massively. Um, so yeah. Okay. Last track, Jack, and you can play DJ now. And uh, a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Well, I never knew of it, but maybe people do. But it's it's a song by Lee Dorsey. It's everything. Everything I'm gonna do gonna be funky from now on. Okay, I've not heard that. You know, no, everything mm. everything I do gonna be funky from now on. Do you know right. what I mean? And I just love the spirit of that, and the, and, the, and the words are really cool. But I just feel like I want to live by that, man. You know what I mean? Everything because life seems to be, you know, it's it's it's, it's precious, isn't it? We got to look after the planet and everything, and we've all got to do things that are just gotta. Be kind of right on right now. Do you know what I mean? Because it's definitely it's in it. We got to just look after the planet, and I just love those words sum it up for me right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's worth sticking on, man. If you can stick that song on now, it'll be a lovely way to end it. I'll um, I'll, I'll do that. And what I do, um, Jack, is I do a um a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast as well, so people oh, nice. can go and listen to all the songs that we've spoken about. Um, on oh, that's on, really on cool of you, Stuart, man. What a lovely vibe. Um. So, Jack, as we, you know, it, it does appear that there's light at the end of the tunnel for, you know, the, the, the situation that we've been finding ourselves in. And so, as we do start to kind of come out of come out of this, like, you know, what's what you're looking forward to? What's coming up? Obviously, that you know, the records out. Like, what's what's going to be happening? You know, is there going to be more kind of, you know, shows that you know you stream from your barn and things like that? Is there going to be more kind of things like that? Yeah, I guess I, I might do like a little guest invite, do a few little gigs in the barn, like invite some guests and stuff. And then, but I just want to put myself out there, really. So I'm going to find some interesting places to play um, as the, I don't know, whatever the parameters of, of what, who you can play in front of and how many and all that. It's kind of, I'm just going to go with the flow, how that, as that sorts itself out, I'll just go and play, you know, but, uh, and play with different. Um, musicians really and the thing, thing with it I've learned to play the songs really stripped back so if I'm just camping with my family and we're, we're surfing and touring I can find cool places to play like that or I can go out 
in a in a with a more of a band. You know, that's the beauty of the songs and stuff and and, and the approach. So I said, yeah, I'm just gonna feel it. If anyone wants to follow what I'm doing, um, they can just follow me on on the social media or whatever on on, on my on my things really. But I say with Reef, I, I guess with Reef, I would imagine that's gonna be kicking into gear again next year. You know, and yeah. that's that's exciting. We've got a, we've got an album we've written. Uh, we've been writing with Andy Taylor, who's the Dran Dran guitar. I mean, I, I saw that, and and, I, them, and, yeah. and I did think I better, you know, I, I should ask this. Like, I mean, I'm sure over the years you obviously met lots of your heroes and things like that, you know, your musical heroes through through tours. And but I mean, it's pretty cool when you've got one of Duran Duran playing guitar in your band, isn't it? Yeah, and like, I, it's, it's been really lovely getting to know him, and. He's a, he's just a true rocker as well. How did that come know? about? He uh, it came about because he's done a solo record and he and he um, asked Gary to sing a couple of songs on his solo record. So Andy obviously Andy sings himself and he got Gary to come and sing on a couple of the rockers that are on there. Um, so it came back through that and then we played at Glastonbury recently on the Avalon stage and we invited Andy up to sort of jam, you know jam with us on a few songs. But he's just—he's a very good guitar player, man. He's—he's—he's he's, he's just telling me how you know where he's from, and how he's so grounded in in rock music. Do you know what I mean? He played all the clubs when he was like fourteen, fifteen. Actually, playing guitar when he was like fifteen, sixteen, all these different covers and joining different bands. He's a real cool, like shredder and you know, and player. Yeah. So so it's lovely to jam with him, and. You know his roots are in like good heavy rock music, you know. Yeah. And obviously, he's just and and from doing his music with Duran Duran, he's met so many um, like cool like is it Nile Rogers and all those dudes. You know, what I mean, he, he's picked up experience. Like I was saying to me, you earlier, I picked up experience with certain people. Yeah. He's p- picked up um, experience with like recording funk albums and there's there's eighties albums and the Power Station record he yeah. did. You know, he's worked with lots of interesting people and he's 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 obviously got knowledge and experience. Um but that's the amazing he's got that, but at the same time we just all connect on a songwriting way, you know? Again, I mean this whole interview is kind of it kind of goes around in, in a circle because we connected in a way like you would when you were first starting a band. Yeah. You know what I mean? With him on board. It was just yeah. fresh energy and it was the right energy. And he works really well with Jesse, who we've obviously got playing guitar with us, Jesse Wood. Gaz were on vocals, and then we had a we had a drummer come in to record the record, and um, Luke Bullen, and he's been doing some stuff out and about, and he he just worked in a, in the in, in he worked in the same way, um, just a really good drummer to work with, you know. So if we suddenly, oh, this is what can happen in music as well. Suddenly things can just turn on their head and become amazing. You know what I mean? Then you're gonna have this is suddenly happening, you know? So this, this amazing magic has suddenly happened with Reef. Um, so we're really excited about getting back out there with this new record we've done, man. So um, Wonderful. that'll all take shape, you know? We have to wait for the the opportunities to sort of, you know, things just to get better again. Like well, just what we're talking about with, with COVID and stuff, we just yeah. have to wait for all that to sort of sort itself out. But we, you know, we that's looking cool, man. Reef's looking cool, you know? Wonderful. Yeah. Jack, um, I'll I'll tag the new album and the video uh, in the bio to this so people can go and check it out and listen. Um, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk records with you. 
Yeah, thanks, Stuart. Me too, man. I've really enjoyed that. And I'm so, it's great to look you in the eye, mate, when we're doing it. <laughs> Yeah, this stuff, man. It's like it's made it really cool, actually. So I'm, 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 I'm so happy you've, uh, we've done this, man. So thank you, thank oh, you very much. Thank you, mate. Lots been... of love to everyone out there. Absolute yeah, absolute pleasure. Have a lovely weekend, Jack. There you go. I now want to be called Stu Whiffin Rocker. I love it. I love being called Rocker. Never been called Rocker before. And uh, yeah, when uh, when I first spoke to Jack on the phone, he was like, "All right, Rocker." And I thought, oh, I'm having that. I'm liking that, rocker. <laughs> um, I hope you had as much um, fun listening to that as I did um, recording it. Um, what a top fella. And, uh, and yeah, we carried on chatting long after we pressed stop, uh, which is always a sign that a podcast has gone well. And, uh, and yeah. Um, thanks again to Jack for giving up his time to, uh, to record that. Thanks to you lovely lot for listening and supporting off the beaten track. Um, you can support it, uh, in other ways as well. There is a Patreon page. Um, if you want to go and sign up over there, uh, that'll give you access to hundreds of other bits and pieces over there. Loads of episodes that have never been released to the masses. Um, and then obviously, as I said at the beginning, go and have a, a look in the archives because there's 170 episodes now of great chats with some incredible, creative people so go and have a, a look over there uh your one-stop shop is off the beaten track podcast.com i'm back soon have a lovely week uh look after each other be nice see you soon bye-bye i've got an announcement save our souls clothing www.sosclothing.co.uk why am i telling you this because they're our official sponsor yeah that's right Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So, if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk, official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It may stew with it. Hey, 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 